My purpose in life is to leave my dent in the universe in absolutely everything I do, as well as to inspire and help others do the same. For someone to leave their dent in my life is a privilege. For me to leave my dent in someone else's life is an honor. But to inspire and help others leave their own dent in the universe is an indescribable feeling. I plan on doing this through this podcast by celebrating my guests and inspiring my listeners, all while leaving my own dent in the universe and helping others do the same. My name is Fer Andrade, and this is Denting. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Denting with Fer. Today, I have a very special guest, someone that I always viewed as a mentor, and slowly but surely, I've gotten to know a bit more. Um, Cameron Kondo, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me here. How are you doing? Good. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm very excited for this conversation. Um, I met you one of the first weeks of school. You were the... GSI, basically, um, of, of one of my classes, and I'm very excited to get to know your story a bit more from what I knew freshman year. Um, so for those that may or may not know you, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, so I was a peer advisor for the UGBA 199 class uh, that mm-hmm. for, for, do you prefer for? Fair. Fair. Fernando, whatever. Fair, okay, um, that he was in, and so I'm Cam Condo. I'm a senior on the women's softball team. Um, I am a business administration major, so go Haas, but also not all of us are Haas holes. Uh, <laughs> so yes, that's me. Um, I grew up born and raised in the Bay Area. Bay Area. I have two sisters, um, so family is super important to me, um, and that's kind of me. And nice. I play softball, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, softball, um, and you're wise, you're, you're mm-hmm. graduating, yes. um, so yeah. that's coming up pretty soon. Yep. Um, and even though you're graduating or while you're graduating, I think it's a good time to take a look back at your Cal career. We gave a speech, uh, the other night in a leadership showcase where Mm -hmm. we talked about our whole journey. Um, Cameron Rogers was also there. Mm -hmm. She, she's been here. She was here yesterday. So shout out Cameron. (laughs) Um, but do you want to take us back to, to your recruiting process in high school and just your mentality coming into soft, collegiate softball. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So the recruiting process for softball is was crazy ever since like the rule change, which I'm sure it was for soccer. Um, but I remember in my recruiting process, there was girls that were committing as early as eighth grade, yeah. um, which is just insane, like making a decision about college at 13 years old when you have no idea what you want. Um, so I always knew because my parents, they always wanted me to look at academics first. So I kind of waited. I was later in the process. Um, so I was looking more like East Coast, uh, kind of like academic schools and the Ivy League and things like that. And Cal really came into the picture like last minute. Like I was promised I was going to commit somewhere on the East Coast, like go out there, maybe have softball not be like at the forefront of my experience and have it more be like of an academic experience. Um, and then Cal came into the picture. I think like it was literally like maybe like a few days before I was going to commit to a different school. And I loved it. And there was something about being able to play in the Pac-12 as well as coming to a school like Berkeley, which honestly I grew up 45 minutes away from here, but I had no idea what Berkeley was. Okay. Um, and so that was a really exciting process for me. And I think 
for me growing up, it was always just like, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it well. And so softball really was like my thing in high school. Like I spent every weekend, pretty much every night, like doing some sort of practice, which I'm sure so many Cal athletes do um, to become the best you can be before coming here. Um, And so that was kind of like my recruiting process. I just remember it being stressful because I didn't know if I always battled between do I want to play at the highest level or go somewhere that's more academic where softball maybe wouldn't be as great. And then Cal came in the picture and it seemed like it was the perfect mix of the two. Best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In high school, um, obviously many of us have to sacrifice to get to where we are right now here in Berkeley. How did you balance out uh, school? Because your academics are amazing. So school, softball, and your social life because it's yeah. not like you're, you're stuck into those two. So how do you balance that? Right. Um, so in high school, I really was nothing else other than a softball player and a student. Like uh-huh. I did not really do much. Like I did like the basic stuff of like prom, like so, like dances and things like that when I had the opportunity to. But really other than that, like my best friends were on my softball team. So like we would literally spend like probably eight hours of a weekend together just practicing softball. On Saturdays we would play, on Sundays we'd have practice. And then during, throughout the week, that's who I would hang out with after school because we would have infield practice, outfield practice, hitting, all that type of stuff. And so I think that was a sacrifice I kind of made. I have no regrets because I still talk to those people still today. Like they're my best friends. Um, but I think kind of, I f- forgot where I was going with this point, but uh, with the balance there is it was just like I oh this is where I was going uh so I watched a lot of movies as a kid okay um and so high school musical she's the man all those type ones definitely did not help me in what I thought my high school experience (laughs) was going to be like um so coming to college I definitely like came in with the mentality of wanting to make up for lost time in terms of like social stuff like that okay yeah so, yeah, that explains a big change <laughs> because I, I didn't uh, see you as just, like, stuck in those two. I see you balancing out those three things mm-hmm. quite well. Um, when you do get to Cal, um, what were your expectations in all sorts of things? You already mentioned your social. Um, what about softball and then school? Yeah, totally. So I initially came to Cal. I'll start with academics, uh, wanting to be a doctor. Okay. I really wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. Um, but I was in chemistry and math for that first two weeks of school. And I was also taking Spanish at the time too. And I was like, get me out of these classes. <laughs> and so I dropped all of them. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I was looking into the public health major as well as business. Um, it turns out that I kind of just went business full send and it worked out in my favor. So I'm very happy to have had that. Um, but academically, I definitely had goals here to be, um, to take advantage of my opportunities at Berkeley and just like, be a part of like it being the number one public university in the world and then athletically obviously with cal like i wanted to compete for national champions uh or championships um i think in 2002 cal women's softball won the first uh, national championship for women's sports here at berkeley okay and so that was something that i was definitely drawn to like i remember sitting in my coach's office like seeing the trophy in her office and that's all i wanted and i was going to do literally whatever it took for me to get there um, and so I thought I was going to be Pac-12 freshman of the year, compete for those types of things, All-American, those, all those kind of like things you see as a high schooler, like on TV, like, wow, I want to play like her. That's who I wanted to be. So you, you, that, that's, that's what you wanted to be. And like you said, school worked out for you. Mm-hmm. Social life worked out for you. And softball also worked out with, for you, at least at the end, but yeah. it was a, a long process. So What was the reality coming in freshman year? I think the biggest thing 
um, that I realized was false ex- expectations in everything. Like I thought I was going to rush a sorority. Obviously didn't do that. Um, academically, I was like, I'm going to have a 4.0. Like I didn't have to try very hard in high school, like, but it's Berkeley, you it know? It is Berkeley. Um, and then athletically, I think it just was a really wide awakening for me because I came from a child ball program where we loved each other, where we, like, it was amazing. Like, we were all on the same page all the time. And granted, we also grew up together. Um, So I think I kind of expected that to be the situation here at Berkeley, Um, but it wasn't, which was fine. I think I learned a lot from learning with people with very different backgrounds and personalities, but I also think that contributed to why I was like, oh my gosh, this Cal softball isn't how I thought it was going to be. I'm not playing as good as I thought I was going to be. Like, I don't know what to do. Um, and so I think that de- definitely contributed to the overall, like, just false expectations all around. Um, and I think academically, academically and socially, it was just easier to find outlets that way, whereas softball, like, the only thing I could have kept doing is just showing up to practice. And yeah. even doing that, it just never worked. Um, and so, like, it was pretty, it got to a point where it was really hard to continue to show up and try and put in effort for something that wasn't, that I knew wasn't going to really work out in my favor. So, so. why did you? Um, I honestly don't know, to be honest with you. I think the past three, four years have really flown by. And I really, I talked about this the other day, but I had so many conversations with my parents about, should I quit? Should I transfer? Should I just be done? Like, should I just go to school here? And I think the biggest thing that kept me going was that's never what I pictured for myself. Like I really like set in stone. I just took my grad pictures the other day. Um, with the student athlete stole, and that was the picture I just kept on seeing. Um, like when I thought about my time being done here at Berkeley, is just like a p- image of myself having the stole with a picture in front of Sailor Gate, and like that. I guess like in a very superficial way, that's kind of what kept me going is just like making it to the end. Yeah. 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 Just having that picture and vision in mm-hmm. mind to keep going, and I even remember um, you were a junior, I was a freshman, and we were talking, and you're like. Well, I might graduate early, and I'm like, mm-hmm. what? Like, mm-hmm. I remember from the beginning, you wanted to leave or start something new, mm-hmm. but you kept going. How was, well, before I even get into the, the pandemic, why was it the case for three years? I know you struggled with softball. You mm-hmm. mentioned it the other night. Do you want to dive in a bit into that? Yeah, so I play softball. Um, yeah. Everybody knows that you're supposed to be able to throw, catch, hit, um, those type of things. And for some reason, when I woke up one morning, 13, I I remember exactly where I was. I was down in Hemet, California, playing a softball tournament at a random field in the middle of nowhere. And I woke up one day and I could not throw the ball. Like I I grew up throwing right-handed, right? So brush my teeth right-handed, do everything right-handed, I write right-handed, and I just couldn't throw the ball anymore. Like I literally could not throw it like 10 feet. Um, And so that was like my struggle kind of going through high school is like, just taking reps and reps and reps of being like, okay, like let's figure out how to throw right-handed. Let's figure out a different way to throw. Let's try a different um, style. Let's try something different like that. And so pretty much it got to a point where it became like, I literally could not play defense. I was really good at hitting. I'm not going to lie. I was tooting my own horn there, but (laughs) um, that was what I got recruited for. And so defense was always just kind of like, ugh, I have to play defense. Ugh, like whatever. And so when I got to Berkeley, my coach actually told me that you will never play defense for Cal. You will never do this. Like, I literally can't put you on the field anywhere. And so, like, you either have to become a really good hitter or we're going to have to figure something out. 
Wow. Um, yeah. For, I, I didn't know your coach told you that, yeah. so that's tough. No, she. there was a time, there was a good, like, two weeks. We didn't stick to it because I think we got caught up through the semester, but my freshman year, I wasn't allowed to practice uh, with the team. I had to go work on throwing with one of my other teammates who was injured, so she wasn't practicing either. But we, that like, that's what I was doing for that entire practice period was working on my throw. Um, yeah, instead of practicing with the team. So that it felt isolating for sure. But it all works out. It, so. it, it all works out. So how did it work out? What was mm-hmm. the solution for that? How do you get past an obstacle like that in your way? Do you avoid it, ignore it, go through it, go over it? Mm-hmm. What happens there? Yeah, so I made the decision my freshman year. I bought a, like, $30 glove from Sports Authority. It was left-handed for a left-handed thrower. And I was like, let's just, you know what, like, let's just see if this works. Let's just, like, try it. And so I actually found that it was pretty natural for me. And I still could not explain to you why that is because usually when you flip to your non-dominant hand, like, you can't do it. Like, you know, like, it's just, like, it doesn't make sense in your brain. But for some reason it did. And that's when I felt like there was an opportunity there or a chance. And maybe that's what kept me going is, like, just always the opportunity for a chance. Like, maybe I can. Maybe I will. And, like, kind of seeing, like, what is possible there. So I decided to switch completely to left-handed, which was a really hard experience. There was a lot of tears, a lot of questioning of what I was doing was right um, through that process. But I think... Like, the moral of the story is as cheesy as it is when things don't go right, go left. And I think that's kind of, like, how I've encountered challenge throughout my time at Berkeley is just, like, when something doesn't work out, it's fine. Just go the other way and find something, find a way to make it productive for you, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah 100%. And I feel like I've, I've said this with many other athletes, but, again, this all applies to life because mm-hmm. if it doesn't work one way, it doesn't mean give up. Right. And, Especially for you, you're throwing right-handed and your right hand just does not function. Yeah. In any other sport, it's like, all right, then I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. But that was not an option for you. And right. that's that's the best part of the whole thing. Um, you, I mean, that's a wild change to make at the collegiate level to just, I mean, you taught yourself how to throw, mm-hmm. basically, because you didn't use your left hand at all, right? Right. Like, I never, like, it was pretty much just like, you know what, like... I feel like there is, it's easier for me to dive into something new and become something new than keep using my right hand, which I know will never give me a chance. Yeah. Um, and so, like, that's what I really wanted to do is just give myself a chance of just, like, a maybe, maybe, maybe tomorrow I'll learn how to, maybe tomorrow I'll wake up and be the best left-handed throw on our team. Who knows? Something like that. Um, and I think just coming around to my senior year and just having, like, very little time left in my Cal uniform um, and then eventually going on to play next year is I'm excited by the opportunities that I've had and excited by the fact that I d- decided to make that choice because I don't know if I would have finished my four years here had I stayed right-handed. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and that's that's definitely the, the best part of it because you always chase the possibility. Mm-hmm. It wasn't – you didn't give up because there was a possibility. So – it's like you said, having that picture, having that vision, having that possibility in mind to keep chasing after that. And that's what I admire the most about that story, which I only learned about like a week or two ago. And, and that's incredible. Um, and it sounds nice right now. It's like, yeah, I, I taught myself how to yeah. throw with my other hand. It all worked out for years. Great. But what was the reality? What did you have to go through on a daily basis to be able to throw with your left hand? 
Yeah, I think I bruised my right hand a lot of relearning how to catch and all the footwork and kind of just like literally looking at people doing something and flipping that in my brain. And I've always like I have so much more respect for left handed people now because pretty much everybody in sport is right handed um, in a lot of baseball, softball. There's like 85% of the team is right-handed, hits yeah. right-handed, and throws right-handed. Um, and so, like, I think that was, like, a really hard part was taking a step back and being okay with not being good at it yet. Um, and that was the thing is, like, I wanted to skip over all the hard parts um, to be where I am today and be able to be functional in this left-handed kind of way. Um, and I think that was the hardest part was being okay with showing up and knowing that I was not going to play defensively that day and knowing that I wasn't going to be good enough that day but it was just like all of those little things added up and there's I told you there's there was so many tears um so much extra work put in in those moments of being left-handed or yeah switching over to left-handed where I had to kind of just buckle down and just be like you know what, it's okay like we're still going to be good at hitting like that's still what we're focused on but this is something this is a project that I want to work on to give myself a chance yeah so. Were you still, you mentioned hitting and throwing, um, were you still hitting right-handed? Yes, yeah, okay. so I'm still a right-handed hitter. That, I don't think I ever would be able to change that. It is so hard to completely switch that, so I have so much respect for switch hitters and things like that, yeah. so. Um, and throughout this whole process, you mentioned it, you described it, how all the tears involved, the footwork, the the bruises, everything, and how hard it truly was because, like I said, it sounds nice. Oh, yeah, I switched hands, but the real process is not nice. It's a yeah. huge accomplishment. How long did it take you? Um, so I figured out that I kind of had this skill my – I think it was actually my sophomore year of high school because I was like, eh, like I can do it. Like it's comfortable. But coaches were always like – I think this was another big thing that I learned is – People were always like, oh, I want to fix you. No, don't go left-handed. Like, I want to fix you. I want to make your right hand better. And that even continued up until I got here at Cal. Um, And I think, so it's been overall a three-year process since my freshman year, since I've fully been left-handed or whatever, committed to that. Um, But even throughout my time at Cal, my coaches were always like, I could fix your right hand. I could fix you. I could fix you. I could fix you. And so it really took, like, probably maybe 10 conversations with them of being like, okay, I'm either just going to be a hitter or I need to switch left-handed. Like, I just don't see a possibility um, in me becoming right-handed in something that you want on the field um, for this. And so, like, like, in order for me to get through it, I know I look like I'm the worst player on the team right now, and that's okay. And, like, if you don't want me out there on defense when we're showcasing or doing our pregame defense to other teams, that's fine. Like, I'm okay with that. That doesn't hurt my feelings. But in order for me to get to where I wanted to be, I had to kind of have those conversations with them of being like, okay, let's do this full time. And so pretty much between my freshman and senior year, my freshman year, I actually switched probably three or four times between right and left-handed. Sophomore year, um, I pit, or I switched again, kind of more, mostly left-handed. And then my junior year, they actually wanted me to pitch right-handed wow. where I was throwing left-handed because we were having uh, a lot of injuries on our team. And so that was another change too. Um, was going back to right-handed to pitch underhand while still learning how to throw left-handed. Yeah. Yeah. Weird experience. That, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. You went from not being able to throw, mm-hmm. transforming that your sophomore year, junior year, pretty much ready, right? Yeah. But then 
ambidextrous. Right. Yeah. I know the motions are different throwing yeah. overhand and underhand. So mm-hmm. were you comfortable with the right hand underhand? Yeah. So I was actually a pitcher growing up, um, okay. right handed. And, but once my overhand kind of went, there was pretty much no point in it anymore. No. So I decided that I wasn't going to pitch anymore, but it was always kind of like, just like a skill I had in my back pocket. Okay. Um, and so when last year they needed more pitching, that's kind of what happened. <laughs> so, that's great. Yeah. So yeah. I think, I think the key lesson from this whole thing is yes, when things don't go, don't go right, go mm-hmm. left, but also it's not overnight. Right. Uh, you struggled with this since you were 13, mm-hmm. you showed up to Cal and you faced an obstacle and for two, three years you worked on it and then it finally worked out. And yeah. That's even a lesson for me because I'm only a sophomore mm-hmm. right now, like I'm telling you. And like I mentioned in the speech, I've only played 45 official minutes, which mm-hmm. isn't even a full game. So it takes time. Right. And it, it's trusting that whole process. And, and yeah, I think that's an important takeaway from, from this whole story. Mm-hmm. Besides softball in your life, something I really want to focus on is like your overall curriculum, right? Because... You were doing everything, and that's what I admired the most. When when I saw you doing that and when HPC was still a thing mm-hmm. and you had office hours and then tutoring at the same time, I was like, yeah, I, w- I want to be that. Mm-hmm. When <laughs> when I grow up, I want to be that, yeah. right? Um, but tell me what else you were doing. Um, how did you get into tutoring? Um, obviously not getting tutored, but t- mm-hmm. tutoring others, as well as the mentorship programs here and, and leading that way off the softball field. Yeah, totally. So I think just my advice for freshmen is just something you just said, and I don't want to forget it, is no one cares what you did your freshman year. What they care about is what you did your sophomore year, how you got better to your junior year, and what you left Cal when you were a senior. And I think that was something that really kind of resonated with me going through my process and something that I had to learn and a big reason why I chose to be involved in the way that I did in tutoring and peer advising is I knew for tutoring, I obviously loved it. I did pretty well my freshman year in some courses, and I wanted to be able to share that with other students who were going through the same thing as well as have that opportunity um, to kind of grow my mentorship and leadership with people who were relatively the same age as me. And I think that was a big lesson learned there because I really had to kind of cater myself to other people and that was something that I had never done before is having to do that and so that's kind of why what I learned from tutoring and I really wanted to be I really found that I enjoyed mentoring and so when that opportunity came up with UGBA 199 class I was like I have to take this and I hope I get it Um, and working with Kazra and Tarek has just been amazing and finding students like you and I think that's been the coolest part is growing those relationships with students that I never would have met um like, I, we would have probably passed through a few times in HPC, like, mm. probably never would have talked, yeah. you know, and things like that. And I think that's probably the coolest opportunity there is. And I think that I found that I really wanted to leave Cal with connections, whether that be for business or friends or things like that, or just grab coffee, like, when I'm in town. Um, and I knew that that was something that was really important to me, leaving my college experience behind. Yeah. Yeah. And taking that those leadership skills back to the softball field, a theme that I've had with other conversations is when you work on one side of your game, mm-hmm. game being life, so if you're improving in school, if you're improving in your social life, it will help your sport in a way. Mm-hmm. Did you find that to be the case with, with your process and journey? Yeah, I think this is also another good analogy is a coach actually told me when I was growing up, 
is in softball, there's obviously defense and offense, and they're separated by innings. And so, for example, if you're having a game and you're going 0 for 3 hitting, then focus on your defense and make a diving catch in the outfield. And I think that theme is kind of like what you're talking about. Um, And I think that was something that was really important for me is like when softball wasn't working out, I went to these extracurriculars and I found so much fun in being able to talk to other students and learning from their ways of life. And I think that was something that I brought back to softball was being okay with struggling because everybody was struggling um, and being okay that maybe my experience wasn't as what I thought it was going to be. And I think that made softball better for me because I always knew that there was going to be another outlet somewhere. Um, and I think then going to softball, I just it brought me to focus more on the relationships that I had with my teammates, with underclassmen, with my coaches, in order to be able to really practice that mentorship and conversations as well as being a mentee from my coaches or from older teammates and being able to make my experience what I wanted it to. And so I think that was the biggest transition was focusing more on the relationships in softball rather than maybe softball itself. Yeah. yeah. And with the relationship and the connections that you're talking about, I feel like you quickly realized that you weren't the only one that was mm-hmm. struggling the same way that I've been realizing that. Um, but another thing that makes you unique is you literally wanted to make as many connections as possible. Mm-hmm. So you want to talk about how you did that and how you put yourself out there to get to know people. Yeah. So I'm a pretty shy person. I would say like, I'm pretty awkward. I'm going to be honest with you. Like growing up, I was always the most awkward person. Um, and just like, I felt like in high school, like I kind of talked about it earlier is I never really went to those parties or went to that type of stuff. I would when like I had a free time or whatever, but like never really like put myself out there in that way because I was Cameron, the softball player. I was, Oh, she's going to Cal. Like, Oh, like, whatever, she doesn't have time, she has practice anyway. Um, So I think coming to Cal, like, I was definitely intimidated by the fact that I didn't really have those experiences in high school, Um, and I really wanted to, I guess, like, dive into that in socially in an aspect, and I would say, like, the biggest way that I do that is, uh, Fur could probably tell you guys, is I'm, like, will be 100% authentically myself 100% of the time, and I found that that really works out for me because I will tell strangers literally random stuff about me and then it will spark a conversation and here we are today sitting here doing this podcast because of that um and I think that's the best part about conversation is seeing conversation as an art um in terms of getting to know people and just like hearing your background and hearing your way of life because I think that's something that I've really come to enjoy is just like finding the beauty in every single person's background that has got them here like that's so cool like that you lived a completely different life than me before Cal, and yet here we are doing this, you know? And I think that's, like, the best way to get to know people is just, like, being genuinely interested in their story and their why because you can always learn from someone else, you know? A hundred percent. And I would never say you're a shy person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know where that's coming from. I never met that, Cameron. Fake it till you make it. Fake that's it till you make that's it. That's how we got through. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, definitely. I, I like the way you say the art of conversation. That's something I've realized as well, but through Zoom. Um, mm-hmm. Zoom helped me connect with so many, so many people uh, as well as social media, just like being able to be everywhere at once, if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I was in the same room and going to this meeting and that meeting and all over the place. But it's even more incredible to me to think you did all of that mm-hmm. when everything was still normal. So so that's definitely something that's that's very, very cool um, in that sense. Um, when, when you talk about those connections, uh, it helps you grow as a person. And I think that's the most important thing. 
But I think something that's cool is that it, how do I say this? I don't want to say it reflects in other areas of your life. Mm-hmm. Maybe it does. Maybe that is the word that it, it shows that you're growing as a person. Um, and in a place like Haas, for example, without focusing too much on the business school itself, mm-hmm. connections are always important. And they're also important for joining the workforce to go get a graduate degree, etc. So how has that benefited you going into the future? Yeah, totally. So I guess I could talk about is kind of when I got into Haas. Um, I was so intimidated by my peers. Like I literally was like, oh my gosh, I picked the wrong major. I don't know how I got in here. I don't know why I'm here. Um, because there was students who were sitting in my classes next to me who were like, yeah, like I'm an intern at Google and I have my own startup and I'm doing all of these things. And they would ask me, what did you do this summer? And I was like, I worked softball camps, you know, and stuff like that. And so I think that was something to definitely get over in terms of like in conversations is just like trying to get to know them in different ways other than like the superficial, like what are you, how are you doing in this class? Like blah, 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 you know? Um, And I think in terms of connections and going forward, I think I just loved joining things that brought out the people who were going to be open to those conversations. Um, For example, I've taken a lot of different classes in Haas through uh, with Court Worthington, who I definitely recommend. Um, I took his improvisational leadership class and I've taken I'm now in his leadership and personal development class. And I really feel like that's where I've found like the cool people who are going to be willing to do that and practice those conversations with you. Um, and I think I'm totally off base with where your question was at. Um, no, that's, that's so good. <laughs> okay. That's so good with how connections work and things yeah. like that. Um, and, and I think just like, just how connections work is just like going, putting yourselves in situations where you know, you're going to like the people. Okay. Like if you believe in environmental purposes you're wearing an earth day shirt yeah and you decide to join a environmental club like you're gonna find people that are like you like you're gonna find people even though they may not have had the same background they may not be an athlete you're gonna find common interest there and i think that's the coolest thing is with people is finding that common interest and kind of just like basing your relationship off that and then seeing where it goes so what do you think or how has your experience been meeting people that don't think like you Yeah, so that is definitely a tough situation because I'm definitely a control freak a little bit. Um, And I like being able to control my surroundings and how I interact with people. But I think sports actually really set me up for that and playing on a team because you have to be adaptable all the time. Like, you're not going to be the team captain. You're not going to be the All-American. You're not going to be the worst player on the team. You're not going to be the role player in every situation that you are in. But I think understanding your role when you get into that conversation with say someone who doesn't have the same beliefs or backgrounds as you and understanding like, okay, like it's not my job to judge them or expect something from something from them that they can't give me. Like I'm going to get what I need from you and support you in the ways that like you don't, that you need from me. But aside from that, maybe we don't have the same beliefs, but we will always have the same goal of whatever that is. So, and that's what matters. Mm -hmm. That's something I struggled with a lot. Um, I, um now going to, I mean, I'm going to be declaring as a political science major. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with politics and current events January 2020. Yeah. Um I yeah, I just loved it and I've always loved it but I didn't know the details and mm-hmm. things like that. So definitely I mean if, if my if some of my friends are listening to this right now, they know who they are, but it was 
thanks to that that we like didn't talk too much mm-hmm. for certain times because if we did we tend to disagree and debate on soccer mm-hmm. that's like our main topic we have a group chat they know who they are <laughs> um and we debate on soccer every single day and we have different opinions mm-hmm. in absolutely everything but then this came up and it was even worse mm-hmm. so it was definitely a learning experience for me and and having to to be able to still have those conversations and learn and and go through that process so that's definitely something that's very cool and i'd like to point out i forgot to mention haas is berkeley's business school um it's a big deal because it's one of the best no, 10 it's not. yes it is it's one of the best business schools there is basically um and that's why there's interns everywhere i remember when i got linkedin for the first time mm. all these berkeley posts and it's like they're at Netflix. They're at Amazon. It's so they're, intimidating. It is. It really is. Yeah. And it's just like, I just feel like everybody, when you get to that point, is just like, oh my gosh, like we've, my entire life I was told that being a student athlete would prepare me to be an employee. Like, you know, like, like your coaches will say to you, but we're running these gassers today. It's going to make you a better employee because you'll know how to work hard. But then you get, but then this situation came up where I was like, maybe I'm not. Yeah. gonna be prepared for this you know because it just felt like there was so many other people that were so much further ahead you know it's crazy in, in a way um something coaches will also say is hard work always beats talent mm-hmm. did you find that to be the case or have you found that to be the case within even such a like top school i think in terms of hard work i think it's just like proving your worth okay. as unfortunate as that is sometimes is like getting that validation from others when you don't need it Um, And understanding, like, no, I'm good. Like, I'll be fine. Like, my grades show it. Like, maybe that this class isn't my cup of tea and I'm just going to have to struggle through it. But I have to believe that there are other people out there who are feeling what I'm feeling. And the people that are um, kind of, like, ahead or whatever, like, who cares? You know? Like, so what? Um, I'm going to be fine. Like, I'm going to go on and do what I want to do. And also, I did not know you were going to do political science. I'm That's declaring so political science and I'm applying to Haas in the fall. Really? Yeah. So okay. since Haas, since you needed two years for Haas, right. I decided to push back. Yeah. And I'm going to be working on those classes starting this summer, summer okay. school and then fall and even in the spring nice. um, to get ahead, but hopefully officially yeah. In, uh, yeah. in the spring. So we'll see how that goes, but definitely trying to double major mm-hmm. in that. Um, but yeah, it, it makes complete sense. Like, one of the things I've had to learn that you were saying, um, one of the things I repeat the most is focus on what you can control and mm-hmm. ignore the rest. And it's mostly on like, just focus on yourself. Right. You have no reason to mm-hmm. focus on anybody else, but I understand how it's intimidating to, I mean, I, I have friends there too. So they'll mm-hmm. say I'm interning at Facebook. I'm right. I, I, all over the, like yeah. everything. And it's, it's tough, mm-hmm. but, but it works out to keep adding to your <laughs> resume. Um, one of the final things I want to talk about, but I definitely want to dive in deep into this, mm-hmm. is Golden Girls. So would you like to explain what Golden Girls is, how that started, and how you're involved? Yeah, for sure. So Golden Girls is pretty much like a female empowerment, friendship, just getting together and just being good people towards each other and just showing the community that there is here at Cal within the female student-athlete um, just population. And I think Golden Girls, so we started it in August of 2018. I was actually abroad in the Dominican Republic um, on a service trip and I didn't actually have access to my phone. And so I basically came back um, in the middle of July that year to basically like 600 text messages from my friend, my my friend and teammate, Jordan Fines, who started Golden Golden Girls initially. 
um, about her having this idea and kind of like what she wanted to see with it. And I just remember I loved that process of talking to her about it and like planning out our meetings and what issues we felt we saw as student athletes, um, especially females who it was just like we saw an issue, especially between the two geographical locations between the Simpson Center, which is up by on Piedmont and Haas, which is down on Bancroft. And like we, there was athletes that I had never met, yep. you know, and like even me and you, like we run into each other at least at the stadium where, say for a cross country runner, I would never have met her because we simply wouldn't know. So yeah. I think that's been the coolest part about Golden Girls is again building those connections across sports, across honestly departments. We interact with um, a lot of administrative people, I guess if that makes sense. Um, who have been super helpful to our development. And I think that Golden Girls has just been one of those amazing things that I've been fortunate enough to be a part of in this past year being president. I think I had really big shoes to feel, fill for Jordan. Um, and I hope that I did a good job, but I'm really excited to see what the future of Golden Girls is going to look like. I think uh, most of our leadership team is actually in your class who are rising juniors now. Um, and I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with the group. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I definitely like the idea of that mm-hmm. group i've always enjoyed supporting um as many like female sports as i can like i grew up watching the united states women's soccer mm-hmm. team in the first olympics was 2008 that's when mm-hmm. i was like whoa yeah um and i i definitely like i'm not as exposed to other sports because well soccer was easy for me it's the combination between not watching too many other sports mm-hmm. as well as not having all sports available, at least on the female side. So it's definitely nice to see this happening, mm-hmm. that you're growing it. I 100% support it. And I'd love to like get to know like what goes on in the sense of your projects or, mm-hmm. or how that works. Um, but I know there there is a leadership aspect to things. You mm-hmm. talked about some of the struggles that females go through here at Cal. So how... How did you manage to help others while you were still trying to figure out your your own process and struggles and challenges? Yeah, of course. So I think just being, um, I'm kind of going to go through it with a, like what we saw the problem was and how we fixed it. Got it. um, If that's helpful. Um, So one of the biggest things we saw was the safety of being a female in Berkeley. Um, And so that's obviously not, it's not safe for us to be out past a certain time of the night um, being um, here and all those types of things and safety that comes with that. And so I think that was one of the biggest issues we saw is that was honestly really hard in creating our meeting time um, because we knew that that was something that really affected all of us, any female anywhere in the world, you know. Um, and so one of the meetings that we did that I think everybody loved was actually our self-defense night. Um, it was so fun. We had a, a speech or a a guest speaker come in and talk about it and that was just amazing and it was exciting to know that there were people out there for that and so that was one of our fun meetings um and it was just great and then any other meeting we've had we've obviously had to adapt since covid hit into zoom and like what we really enjoy doing is just like kind of highlighting those conversations and those connections that i was fortunate enough to build and having there be a space for that for other people um, and so, like, we do breakout rooms with fun breakout an- or icebreaker questions, not the basic ones um, and stuff like that. And so I think that's been, like, the really cool opportunity there. It's just, like, basically the biggest issue is, like, that I had as a freshman was 
I didn't know there were people out there that felt the way that I did who didn't necessarily like their experience as a student athlete here who felt like they had to transfer in order to find something to to be happy about. Um, And so I think that was like another big issue we saw is just being a female athlete. Like a lot of times you're just expected to just kind of like go through it day and day and like it's just you and suffering in silence and, you know, like whatever. And I think bringing light to those things through those kind of fun conversations really helped me and I feel like have definitely helped others kind of just like it's nice being able to talk to someone that's not on your team yeah pretty much you know so I love to hear that because two of the things that I think would be the solution for many if not most if not all Mm -hmm. of the world's problems are education Mm -hmm. and communication Mm -hmm. and the conversations that are necessary to have in a chill environment and just casual are happening there so I applaud that mm-hmm. I, I really love to hear that that's how it works and that's how it happens obviously I've never experienced it mm-hmm. I never will and that's okay but I love to know that it's helping others as well as yourself um, because it is important to know that many people are struggling I've had countless conversations with some teammates some that aren't my teammates but that go to Cal and they're saying you know what I, I think I have to transfer mm-hmm. and it's about trusting the process and this is one of the main purposes of this podcast um like i said in the speech the the other night like the way i want to leave my dent in the universe is Mm -hmm. by celebrating those that are leaving their dent as i am right now (laughs) and inspiring others to do the same so i hope that this serves as a reminder to many people that it is a long process it does take time and that they're not alone like people go through this sort of thing whether you're a collegiate athlete whether you go to berkeley whether you're just a student anywhere in the world whatever struggles you're facing you're not alone and i think that's the most important thing to remember throughout this whole process um so as we begin to close out you've done all these things (laughs) a softball player a leader a mentor a business student countless things what's next when you have all of these things lined up for you Um, That's actually one of my biggest fears is not knowing what's next in that kind of what's next hole um, that comes when you accomplish something. But I'm really excited by the opportunity. I'll be going to Georgetown University in the fall to uh, pursue my master's in public policy because I think something that I my end goal. So this video will kind of keep me accountable to whether I actually do it is I really want to work in healthcare policy um, because I think it ties up everything that I've done in my time here at Cal. And so I'm really excited about that opportunity. Um, And yeah, that's kind of what's next for me. And I had an interview today at a winery, so we'll see if I get it. But yeah, that's kind of next five years, I guess. Yeah. And wait, how long is is that uh, master's degree? Um, I will graduate in May of 2023. Okay. Yeah. And are you playing softball over there? Yes, I will be playing softball at least for one more year. I do have a second year since I redshirted my sophomore year, um, but I don't know if my body can handle it. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see from there. Um, I'm very excited for you to go to Georgetown. Obviously, amazing school. <laughs> um, very nice location. I have a friend that goes there. So, um, yeah, he's told me great things about it. And I really hope you enjoy it. Um you really deserve the world, so I'm excited for you. I hope you do very well. I hope you continue to leave your dent in the universe over there, as I know you will. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, any any last words? Um, thank you for having me. This was super cool, and I'm so excited to see what you're going to do in your next two years. And always just remember, I'm just a phone call away. Yeah. So this connection is always there. Yeah, thank <laughs> you so much. Open.
I really, really appreciate it. Um, when I started this podcast, I had a list, and you were, like, one of the first names that came up. Oh so gosh. I'm glad we got to do this. <laughs> Thanks for being uh, flexible with, with the times. Um, I know schedule's crazy right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Awesome. Hope everything goes well. Thank you so much. Uh, that's it for today's episode. Thank you guys for joining in. Uh, I'll see you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Make sure to subscribe to my podcast and follow me on my personal social media accounts for more. All at Fer Andrais. All links are in the description. If this episode inspired you in any way, please help me out by sharing it with a friend to help them leave their dent in the universe as well. That's it for today. I'll see you all next time.